get it. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 28 of the Quality Control Show. As always, it's your host, Solomon and Zach. And um, Zach, what are we going to be discussing today? Today is going to be an interesting episode. We're not going to be necessarily harping in on one specific subject. We're actually just going to be talking about, in general terms, what we think about modern gaming. The state of AAA game development. Exactly. Um, this year and last year have been really rough when it comes to games yeah. uh, and, and their releases. And we've just noticed a, a downward trend in how they're all playing out. Mm-hmm. And we recently just finished playing It Takes Two, which was a wonderful surprise. Yeah. It was super good, to, super good and super fun to play, super creative. Um, we had an absolute blast playing it. And it just made us think about other games in comparison yeah that's what we're here to talk so about. yeah zach and i played it takes two which is a very critically acclaimed indie title and it's as we were playing through the game which it became very evident that it was crafted with a lot of love it was so interesting to compare it to like modern triple a titles that come out and just the amount of originality and creativity that goes into an indie title mm-hmm. or that indie title specifically yeah. and it kind of just got us thinking about like the state of, yeah, the state of play, the state that we're in right now, the, you know, the biggest titles that you can think of that are launching in the state that they're in and you're comparing them to indie titles like it takes two. It's just really, it's just really interesting. Um, and so let's kind of just, do you just want to kind of break down the things that we love so much about it takes two, for example? Yeah. So for me, my, my favorite things about it takes two was I loved the art design having like us be dolls and us going through all these childlike adventures. Mm-hmm. We're essentially in a Pixar movie. Yeah, it felt like we were playing through a Pixar movie. Which was awesome. Um, the game also looked fantastic, which was also plus. It wasn't like poorly... The graphics weren't poor or anything. It's just that the art design was interesting. Looking at you, Pokemon Arceus. Anyway. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, my favorite thing is definitely the fact that the mechanics were always switching up. Dude, the amount of creativity. Every chapter had a new, sometimes even more than one new mechanic added, like per yeah. character. It was wild how creative they were getting. And some of them were better than others for sure, but yeah. they were all pretty fun. Uh-huh. Like, And some were definitely a blast uh, and some were okay. But it's like all of them were enjoyable and all of them worked just fine. And like they were all creative in their own ways to solve these puzzles, which made me enjoy it because I never felt like I was getting tired of it. Like when we finished the game, if they had, you know, the DLC adventure where you go on three more chapters, I would be down. Um, I was, I didn't feel tired of it at all or bored or anything. There was always something like keeping your attention in the game, either like the engrossing mechanics or like the story itself at times. And other times it was just the visuals and the world building. Like, so like the platforming itself was really satisfying. But on top of that, like there are sections of the game where it's very linear and then there's sections of the game where there's almost like a little like openness mechanic, like a little mini open world with like mm-hmm. different mini games. And like there's kind of like these little secrets you can find and like these little towns and stuff. And it's just really interesting. Like there's one there's one uh, world where like you'll go and it's like a medieval world, but it, it's based off of like this uh, medieval castle that's made out of like cardboard mm-hmm. by like a kid. But yeah. like when you're in it and you're playing with it, like your perspective is that is such that this is a massive kingdom and you're walking around and it's just so creative. There's another level where you're inside of like this clock tower and all of these <laughs> crazy intricate mechanical pieces are like creating pathways for you and different obstacles that you have to interact with as you go. And it's just so creatively well done. And, 
original. Right. Zach and I, like, I can't remember the last time we played a game where, like, you and I were just in the world and we both were just like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah, you know? for sure. Or we would just be running around and enjoying it. Yeah. Like, we weren't sprinting to find the, the main objective. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd run around and find some snowballs that throw at each other. Yeah. Or we'd, go, we'd be like, oh, what is that over there? And how can we get to that? Mm-hmm. Which is fun. Um, another thing that I enjoyed, there's gonna be a lot of things. It's like, there's, there's a big list of things to enjoy. Yeah. Um, was it the game? Like the game and the puzzles weren't hard. The hard part was actually working with your co-op partner. Yeah. Cause that's like the whole point of the game. Yeah. The story revolves around these two people who are like, it's a couple who's getting, get a divorce, but then they're put into this adventure that brings them closer together. And it's all about collaboration. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's the fun part. Like the puzzles in a, in and of themselves are not super difficult, but it's just like trying to get the person to like work with you yeah, exactly. kind of like, like work in sync. That's like the fun part of it, you mm-hmm. know, or maybe like you both see a different way to do a puzzle. So you're screaming at each other <laughs> yeah. like we did, <laughs> but like, it's so, but like there were you so many motherfucker turn it left. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, no, fuck you do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. But there were so many puzzles that like we would we would solve or just completely fuck up and we would just be dying laughing <laughs> because it's like we we just look like fucking idiots because we didn't know what to do but it's so fun like yeah and sure. it's just like it is just almost that pure enjoyment like mm-hmm. you kind of feel like a kid again a little bit whenever you're doing it but we're comparing like this super original experience um and compared to like a triple a game it's just yeah kinda, which like, is like a day. nightmare yeah and like to be honest, I think there's a lot of strength in like these cooperative titles. Like it takes two because like we also really enjoyed a way out, which is kind of like it's the same thing, kind of like similar, like the same that same concept, just applied differently, right? Um, but but like both of those games were amazing, and not just because they were cooperative, but also because they were just really original and well done. You know, exactly. Um, another thing about it takes two was that it didn't just have puzzles and like missions to go through because it had all these side games to do as well where you yeah. get to play against each other which was which is always fun yeah like you get to be competitive <clears throat> and the, and then all the side games were also interesting yeah and some were better than others but at least it was something different each time and you didn't have to play them it's like yeah. you would find one and then if you didn't like it then you didn't have to do it you know mm-hmm. but you always wanted to look for them yeah and then- some of them were bangers <laughs> so some of them were pretty fun like if you guys ever find shuffleboard in the ice biome it's worth playing that one's worth playing. You can tell sure. that one was crafted with some passion. <laughs> yeah. We spent many around on, <laughs> on the shuffleboard. It was fun. Well, dude, the snow globe world was just so cool too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, so much about this game was, was just amazing. Honestly, like if you were looking for like a game to play with someone, this is definitely it. It's, yeah, you're gonna, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. For sure. You have to play with another person though. That's kind of like its whole shtick. You can't play it by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Get some friends, you know? Yeah, find some friends. Touch some grass. Don't be a fucking loser. <laughs> oh my god. Get some friends and play some... Play some... Uh, it takes two. Yeah, it's a good time. It might fix your marriage. It probably won't fix your friendship. No. I, Zach and I hate each other infinitely more than when we started. Yeah, it wasn't healthy for us, but maybe it can help you guys yeah. out. Yeah. I just didn't realize how stupid he was until we played together. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> no, okay. But to kind of stay focused... This game was crafted with so much love and passion. It's like you play it. You're like, man, I can see that they really gave a shit about this. You know, Mm -hmm. this was like their baby. So let's shift a little bit (laughs) to to the heartless, soulless corporation that is, you know, EA, Blizzard, (laughs) those kinds of, you know, those kinds of companies. And 
let's just talk a little bit about how down bad we are. Okay, so yeah. we got to break it down here. Games are not made or not coming out like they used to. And I was thinking about this because we talked about doing this podcast. Yeah. So I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, is this, is this like a boomer take where it's like, oh, back in my day, all the games were golden. Well, it's not even that because back in my day, the games worked. That's what I was thinking too, was that they now we're in this age of live service games yeah. where it's, it's like a official title of games now where it's, it's essentially they release an alpha for full price and then they have you play test it. And they might eventually fix it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a hard maybe. Yeah. And uh, that's the model that we're in right now. <laughs> the trend that we're, we've seen lately is that they don't fix it because they have no incentive to. The player yeah. base is already gone. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's just really, it's honestly just like a new paradigm of game development because these games ship out. And more often than not, these, especially live service games, but even games that are not live service, like uh for example dying light 2 came out recently mm-hmm. and honestly that game is more stable than most <laughs> yeah and in a lot of ways what people don't realize and is it was made by what could technically be called an indie company although it is like not necessarily because right. it's, it's bigger yeah. but but they published their own game but the point really is that even that game is faced with you know lots of bugs like sometimes the enemy ai doesn't just, work just as a side note before we continue I think if you sell your game for $60, it's not an indie game. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, like, I don't care how many people made it. If I have to pay full price for it, then it's, then it's like, not an indie game. Then it's yeah. basically the same thing as me buying a AAA game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. And I mean, I think most people don't even think that, like, uh, what's the name of the company again? Um, Techland. Yeah. Techland. Tech, Techland is not synonymous with an indie title anyway. Yeah. I was just saying in general. But... Yeah. Uh, but the, the point is, like, people have kind of run into some bugs. Like, uh, enemy ai doesn't work um you know like for example uh moist critical charlie was playing it and he ran into a bug like where for the like rest of the game like an entire half of the game cutscenes are broken for him like npcs were just missing <laughs> from oh. and their, their dialogue wouldn't even play um and then one thing that i think is particularly egregious that i don't know how this is legal and i don't know how they keep getting away with it but releasing modern titles that are more like technically rigorous on like platforms like the ps4 so example again would be dying light 2 where like it's like simi does not even run on like the ps4's like cpu is not even capable of comprehending like (laughs) like dying light 2 yeah the hardware is just not there and the fact that they know it's not there yeah well that's the thing like whenever a game developer makes a title for a console the best thing about that like is they know the hardware that's going to be inside the console so they have the ability to optimize it on the console and they can essentially predict with certainty how it's going to run so whenever a developer releases something on a ps4 they know it's not going to work if it doesn't same thing with cyberpunk 2077 this is what i wanted to talk about with cyberpunk so cyberpunk did the same thing where they released it and they're like oh that's kind of crazy we don't really know why it doesn't work like no dude you know the hardware you're the one you're the one who produced the software so you can predict with act you knew shipping that game out for 60 dollars that was not going to work yeah and you because they test these games on the consoles that they they're played on yeah so like someone booted it up on ps4 and it didn't work Mm -hmm. and they said boss this doesn't work and the, they were like, well, we got to ship it out. Yeah. We got to hit um, those numbers. It's, it's already been delayed too many times or whatever it is. Yeah. We got to make the money or whatever. 
Um, but that's the whole idea, right? Is that they, it's gotten to the point where I believe that developers are, they're, they are now aware of, or they in the situation where we can make a game like 70% of the way. And people are still going to buy it. And we need the money that we get from this game. So we tell them, well, we'll fix it later. Everyone either pre-orders it or buys it right when it comes out because it's all hype. They might fix it. They might not. But it doesn't matter because like 95% of their money is going to come from the first couple of weeks. And microtransactions. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's yeah. another thing. Because with Dying Light 2, it's like a single player experience. Yeah. And so I don't think they can get away with that. Right, right, right. But more often than not, like they, they ship out a broken product. What can be described as the minimum viable product. And then they there's really not an incentive for them to fix it later. Like, honestly, I'm just thinking, you know, in my head, I think the majority of developers who have shipped out a broken ass game and said, don't worry, we'll fix it later. They're, they're not going to fix it later. It, it never, it almost never happens. Well, what it is, is it's, it is literally the early access system on yeah. Steam, but yeah. it's full games. Yeah, so I don't, that's what I don't understand. Is like with Steam, you have to, de- you essentially have to declare that this game is not finished and there's like warnings like this game is not done. It's going to be buggy. Might be yeah. a little bit of a mess. You're getting in early. It's early access. You have to. You game. literally have to warn them that like this is an alpha. This is a disclaimer. And know? generally, early access games are cheaper than when they are fully released. Yeah, they are. Typically, they're a fraction of the price. You know, if you if a if a full game sixty dollars, you know, sometimes people will charge between fifteen at the highest point, like thirty dollars for an early access title. Right. So, uh, so now what we're getting. Is like I, I feel like it preys on the people who aren't in the know-how of like what's going on. Yeah. So like if you're little Timmy and you just want to play some cyberpunk and you see the box at GameStop for your PS4, you're like, oh, why would they release a game that can't run on my PS4? And then so you you buy it, your mom buys it or whatever, your mom doesn't know. Yeah. Because so these then- are crim- criminals, Timmy. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That's some criminal behavior. Yeah. It's borderline fraud. And that's we talked about it a lot with our cyberpunk episode if yeah. you guys want to check that out but good episode we had our friend kate on as a as a guest wonderful time yeah that was a good episode and i think it really it i thought that was going to be the breaking point of modern gaming i thought that like we had reached critical mass at, at cyberpunk but it set the trend yeah <laughs> well that's the interesting thing right is like here we are now uh cyberpunk came out at the end of 2020 mm-hmm. now we're in 2022 so we've had a whole year and we're facing even worse problems than yeah, before. And these fuckers are still making games that don't fucking work. It's absolutely ridiculous. And one of the things I was talking about with Zach earlier was like, I don't, I can't really comprehend how like, I don't know how they do this because like the concept of like playability to some extent is subjective, but like, I feel like there should be some minimum standard of performance, right? Like if you're, if I want to release a title that I develop on the PlayStation four, Shouldn't there be some kind of like regulating body or something that tests it, like some third party that says, "Look, this game does not work on the PlayStation 4. We tested it. You can't you can't sell this product under that name or under that console because it's fraud." Yeah. You know, it, it is a it is a product that doesn't work, therefore you can't charge money for it. I get what you're saying. I think the parameters are just too ambiguous. Yeah, exactly. It's like, It'll well, never happen. Well, the thing is, is like, well, we could set an FPS limit. Like, it can't go below this FPS. Yeah. But then it's like games do that sometimes. Occasionally, so if it does it once. Yeah. Is it like, oh, we can't? If do it, it drops to twenty-eight FPS in one moment, then it's like, oh, well, it's not playable technically. Well, no, but like, that's the thing. I think it's too ambiguous. No, which it is. Is a It'll shame. never happen. But it's almost just like, 
you know, so, someone safeguard this because they're just absolutely fucking the system. They're just taking advantage of the consumer base, which I guess in a lot of senses, like people vote with their dollars, right? So right. if people don't buy these things, then I think that's also another issue, which is like people will buy titles before they listen to reviews or anything. Because like, like you said, if they're not really in the know, they're just going to say, oh, well, you know, new Halo is launching. They're like, let's let's do it. And then when there's no content, they're just like, what the hell? Yeah, or, well, more Cyberpunk. The problem with Cyberpunk is they didn't allow reviewers to use their own footage. Yeah. So a reviewer would be talking about the game and saying, you know, it's it's okay. And then they would show this gameplay of the most cool, the coolest shit ever. Yeah. And if you're just some guy and you looked up a five-minute video, you're like, okay, that looked of pretty dope. Of this cultivated footage that was, you know, Yeah, that was like put out by the publisher itself. Yeah. It's like, hmm okay yeah that's a little sus but we're not gonna say anything which is wild that we live in like an age where all, like gaming gaming outlets are and developers are like quasi suppressing gaming journalists which is like what yeah uh how it's crazy yeah it's just absolutely that, crazy but anyway. that's, well i mean that's the thing you got to be in the know-how like for example when cyberpunk came out and the reviewers were like look this isn't our footage and we uh there's there's no console reviews at all i was like oh wait a minute this is gonna be a nightmare. red flag you know <laughs> yeah, it's in the yeah. air when dying light 2 comes out and they say well there's no co-op before and for the review process so we don't know if that even works that's a that's a fucking red yeah, flag if your co-op is coming in hot on launch day so it's not gonna work <laughs> <laughs> like i'm just gonna tell you now it's not gonna work yeah, that's not a patch that's not a day one patch. no no um Another thing that I want to bring up is I believe that the the gaming nexus point that created all of this was No Man's Sky. Okay. Okay. Holy shit. okay. <laughs> we got to go way back. We got to go all the way back. Now, no Man's Sky came out in 2016. Yeah. So this was a while ago, and this might be a stretch. This might be like a, a conspiracy theory. <laughs> but I believe... So No Man's Sky, if anyone doesn't know, was that No Man's Sky was this game that was created by a smallish studio. And they had this grand idea of a game that was like procedurally generated. And it was full of these big ideas that were like, oh, that's impossible. And they said, no, no, it'll be here and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And they had this this hype train essentially build up, build up, build up. And they said they there were some features in left and right. They got yeah. multiplayer. They got procedural uh procedural world worlds. building yeah you, they got base building they got all this stuff and then the game comes out it has absolutely none of that yeah. it was like the great cuckening of, <laughs> of, of the gaming the gaming world and the thing is zach and i aren't just talking about this like like uh from an external point of view we lived this yeah so i was, I was gonna say that so i can't remember if you did i had pre-ordered that game yeah because I, I, yes, I we too. were in high school i think we were in high yeah. school right so I saw that. And I was like, let's go, baby. Like, this is the future. So I threw my money down because, like you said, the massive amount of hype was garnered at this yeah, game. Yeah, no way I'm going to miss out on the next space adventure of our millennia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is this is like the Halo combat evolved of our generation. We got to get in. And I think a big thing to point out is that games back then did not come out broken or just completely myth like being lied to. That wasn't yeah. really a thing. No, not then. really. Like, games games always came out in a very playable state and what's so interesting and i think that's why it, no man's sky went down in such infamy because like you you compare it to games now you're just like this is business as usual 
But back then, when No Man's Sky made all these promises and didn't deliver on like remotely even 25% of them, (laughs) then that's like a holy shit. They just, they essentially like rug pulled people. Well, and so here's the thing. They did that and they made a shitload of money. Yeah. And I think that all these different publishers saw that and they were like, well, now the fans are pissed, but do we care? Because they just made a shitload of money. The fans are pissed. But those guys are rich. <laughs> exactly. And we could be those guys. Yeah. Um, I'm, I could make like a fucking thesis paper about this. <laughs> I think No Man's Sky is the nexus point. Because I was thinking about it. I was thinking about what what was the biggest game that came out that was like either that felt like a lie or was a huge disappointment. I was trying to think about like in the past. Yeah. Like what was the first one I can think of? And it's No Man's Sky. And I can't even yeah. think of anything. That's and what's close. really interesting is very shortly after No Man's Sky launched, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out with a lot of the same lofty promises and almost none of the actual delivery. Yeah. I think you just start to notice that games start coming out. They start and coming out after working. that point. That's really interesting. So wait, what year did No Man's Sky come out again? 2016. 2016. Six years ago. Which is kind of crazy to well, think about. That's real. That's interesting because as I was searching through, it was not. I I wasn't able to find any like titles that I really wanted to discuss that proved that or explored this point like really past 2017. So yeah. that kind of makes sense. It's like the year after No Man's Sky launches these games that start to kind of <laughs> yeah. permeate the industry with this bad like it's malpractice. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Before that point, that's like yeah, that's like the, the paradigm shift of the of the of the market essentially and it's almost like these fucking publishers are evolving because no man's sky didn't have any microtransactions or any sort of dlc bundles that you could buy yeah and yet they're like hmm what if we made a game it's like 20 percent of what we said it was going to be and then we made them pay five dollars for blue yeah on top of that and well and, like, then they oh. said, and then they said that'll never work and then Fortnite came out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we hit nexus so, point I, so number two. I was gonna say next. I was gonna say Fortnite with microtransactions, like absolutely it changed the, the industry. Game. It changed the game, and we're sure. in a fucking wasteland now. And again, this is this is my soapbox. I think, I think Fortnite like irreparably damaged like the multiplayer industry. I know you say Fortnite is a banger, yeah, but I, I think I, stand by that. I think in a lot of ways it really hurt the industry because not only microtransactions but also like just the absolute flood of uh battle royales that came in and like mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just there was like a long period of time where like a lot of where a lot of publishers try to just copy it there's even rumors now that uh halo infinite's trying yeah. to work on a on a battle royale <laughs> yeah we talked about that and That's they outsource it to like some chinese publisher so it's gonna be ass <laughs> yeah um i mean i don't agree with you i don't think fortnite is like this damaging entity to gaming, but it is another big nexus point to branch off. Oh, for sure. I mean, you could you can argue whether it's bad for gaming or not, but it was definitely like one of the like it changed the game. It changed the game. Yeah, essentially. Um Yeah, and so the the crazy thing is that I would expect these big games that, you know, have all these big multiplayer battles and different ideas like that. Um like when you have like a hundred over a hundred people in an online match, yeah. Like I assume that's going to be a shit ton of work, and it's going to mess up, and it's going to be buggy and stuff. Or if you you're trying all these grand open world ideas, um. But then you know you have some games like Halo. Yeah. Halo came out with like five maps or seven, six, seven maps, four game modes, and that was it. And it's like, bro, 
there is no way it was that much work. Yeah, people have been doing this for years. And yeah. there's no way you just drop the ball like this. So, okay, we can keep talking about Halo. But another thing <laughs> that I wanted to bring up was... So, games are irrefutably coming out worse. Games are coming out yes. broken. But almost simultaneously, game development is longer now than it has ever been. Right. They take longer yeah. to publish games, and these games are absolute shells well, of what they're supposed I to be. I guess one thing we have to talk about is that the problem of COVID and yeah. how that affects the workplace. Because a lot of these publishers say, well, it was COVID. We had to do COVID delays, yeah. or the game isn't as well optimized as we wanted it to be because people were working from home. Mm-hmm. It's like we couldn't, or we weren't able to communicate very well because of COVID. It's like, okay, then just delay it some more. Yeah. That's all I can say. But, they, but when you have like these soulless corporations like EA or yeah, Activision, there's no, they can't, they can only delay it so much because you always have like the, the stakeholders yeah. who say, we need to launch this shit by Christmas. We don't also, it's been like eight years. Yeah. And then they're like, well, it doesn't work. And they're like, well, it doesn't have to work. Yeah. Look at No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> the next you know? point. Yeah. They just have a big graph. And it has No Man's Sky on it. And they yeah. say, look here. And they got the red pointer. And they're like, look here. Do this. <laughs> Example A. Yeah. Well, And it's super ironic to talk about No Man's Sky. Because like, because like all of these huge companies have in a, lot of, in a lot of ways emulated how No Man's Sky published their game. But also No Man's Sky in a lot of ways is like the antithesis of these other publishers. Because they were a tiny indie studio. They were... Then a lot like I watched we watched that whole um uh, internet historian video about it. Right. But like um like for example, their headquarters like flooded and a lot of their equipment got damaged and they ran into all these issues. But on top of that, after they launched the game, even though they shouldn't have, you, like they were one of the like the only companies that I can think of that actually stayed behind and fixed their game. Yes. So over it's like actually amazing. And they didn't even talk about it. They just like put their heads down and then they just would launch massive update after massive update full of content. And I think I looked at like a like a chart, and I think they're at like ninety nine percent of what they promised would be in the original No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. So they fixed it. It took a long time, but you don't really see a lot of other companies. I mean, it got that. updated a couple months ago, I think. I know it got yeah. updated last year. Yeah, which is crazy because it's that was five. It's five years mm-hmm. later, and they're yeah. still giving it updates and stuff. They have like a whole like town town shed management and like city building mechanic in there now. Um, but that that is a rare exception. Yeah. Well, they actually like their game. I, I <laughs> yeah. think like I actually get the impression that there's a lot of passion put into that game. There were just a lot of circumstantial issues that kind of arise and made the game, you know, launch just as, as complete as it should have been. Not that that's an excuse, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's a little bit different than EA, for example, publishing, you know, yeah, Battlefield 2042, which is, I, I'm, I'm assuming just has an army of people behind it, a massive budget, and what you know, one of the largest companies' names attached to it. You know, this isn't some indie developer in Poland. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a huge mega corporation, and so it's just like, how do you, how do you launch a game where you can't even, you know, revive down teammates, and you can drive boats up the side of buildings? Um, the fucking like skyscrapers and cities don't have collision. The game doesn't have a scoreboard. Zach, that's a legacy feature, bro. <laughs> It's a legacy feature for scoreboard and voice chat. That shit was in like 2002. That was in Halo 2. That was 2. in Halo 2. Yeah, dude. Yeah, seriously. That shit was revolutionary in Halo 2. And how are you telling me that this AAA army couldn't put voice chat into a game? I don't understand it. I feel like there has to be some technological, like, are we about to like, like collapse into some technological dark age because we're not able to put scoreboards in video games? Like, have we hit, is this like the great filter? I wonder if someone forgot. 
and now they're so deep in the code they got to go all the way back and they just can't here's, here's i don't thing. know here's the thing zach and i all know almost nothing about making a video game right like exactly. we're gonna we're gonna put that out there none of us know we should have started with that yeah we don't know anything about making a video game all we can tell you is since i was in diapers i've played games with scoreboards <laughs> so i don't know what to tell I, you well here's my thing i think if they could do it in 2002 they can do it now. You have to imagine that like the technical limitations back then were so so much stricter than they are now, right? Like I mean, you like I know in a lot of instances you have these like game engines like Unreal Engine and Frostbite that have like this stuff baked into it so you can almost like it almost does it for you in a lot of in a lot of instances. So like I don't really understand how that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure that's something you learn and like freshman year of like like game development school i don't even know what degree that is but like yeah i mean i don't know i don't know the specifics of it but the thing is it's it's that whole argument of like well if you order something from a restaurant like let's say i order some spaghetti from a restaurant and then like i get handed like someone just shit on a plate and then handed it to me i can say what the fuck is this and i mean i don't know how to make some bomb ass spaghetti i don't know like i don't know the special sauce that you use but this is some shit on my plate. <laughs> like I can say that definitely. Yeah. I don't need my my chefing degree. Yeah. Or anything like that. So even though we don't know anything about game development, I, I'm fully re- ready to go to talk some shit. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, like you shouldn't have to be a game developer, you know, to like be able to criticize the product that's handed to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and so. Like you said, you don't have to be like handed something that's just clearly broken, you know, and then be like a game developer to see that. And so I think like another really big, another big turning point for the industry was Anthem. Now, Anthem was another title that promised. Okay, honestly, in terms of like deliverables, I wouldn't say Anthem's like promises were that crazy. Like they were definitely ambitious, but not procedurally generated solar system ambitious. It was a looter shooter. It was a looter shooter in a massive open world. Really, the technical limitations would just be not having any loading screens while you fly around this massive world. So I think in a lot of ways, the technology could handle it. But this was another title where like people were super excited. And I, we personally know friends who like pre-ordered the game and did all, did the whole song and dance, you know, in anticipation of it releasing. And then it finally released and there's just nothing to do. There's, like everything that they showed in like the in like the reveal gameplay trailer was you know a straight up lie was yeah it was just a straight up lie you know it was uh the loot system didn't work everything was pre-rendered and it was all bullshit and so yeah the loot system didn't work there wasn't any real sense of progression and the open world was empty and i think there were like three missions so you look at that and you almost wonder like how did this how did they release this but then you remember it released after no man's sky there's there's (laughs) yeah there's a nms and B and B and MS, yes. Before so this was so this is after No Man's Sky, and so this was like this was like uh, this was yeah, like dipping their toes and like can we get away with skull fucking all these people? And they did. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. got away with it. And people don't even talk about Anthem anymore. No, uh, I ne- or I never see it. Like whenever you're looking online and you talk to people, and you talked about like Cyberpunk for example. No one brings up Anthem. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a Cyberpunk nightmare in the same way it was yeah i don't think it had nearly as much hype as cyberpunk did or no man's sky but it's like that's just another example that we just let fly by yeah no one says anything about it and like what's so what's so crazy is like the actual development cycle because i i don't 
I think like a lot of these employees sign NDAs is the thing. So a lot of them are not like legally at liberty to really just dive in, do a deep dive about how fucking awful it was to work on Anthem. But I do know that like, like the development cycle for these games is really fascinating to me because not only are they super long, but they just sound absolutely hellish. So I know Anthem and and Mass Effect Andromeda kind of share these same qualities where they're in like the conceptual development of the game for like upwards of an entire year well, anthem wasn't anthem made by bioware's b team or Ye- something so yes actually and andromeda was a- the a team right no andromeda was the b team andromeda oh, was andromeda's team had- i remember there were like there was a b team for something around that time yeah so i so i know for a fact because i just watched the video on this mass the, the team at bioware in montreal uh, who developed Mass Effect Andromeda, the only Mass Effect content that had, they had actually worked on at that point in time was Mass Effect 3's multiplayer and a DLC for Mass Effect 3. And then they were handed the, enti- the entire Andromeda project. And then they had like massive shifts in leadership. They had like key game uh, key game developers and, um, and uh like leadership in the industry just leave in the middle of it. And they're, they were like the visionaries who like had all this like oversight of it. So like, I know for example, in Andromeda, there was this point in time where they're like, we're going to go the gnome and sky route. We're going to do the whole like generated worlds thing, you know, algorithmically generated environments. And then the guy who said, we're going to do that said, I'm going to go take a job somewhere else. So he leaves everyone. There's like, Oh shit. Which leads to a string of, of other developers leaving. So now they have like half the staff. They have to refill that staff. This other guy comes along and he has an entirely different creative direction that he wants to go for in this game that has already passed that. They're already working on 3D character models when they're trying to write the game, which leads to them retconning all of this writing that they're doing so they can reformat the game. And then they run out of time because they're being pressured by stakeholders to launch the game. And then by the time they get to the end of it, they're only down to half of a dozen of these pre-generated worlds with a absolute shit story. And to save time, they tried to use like this AI to just like auto rig the facial animations, which created these monstrosities, which turned into a meme. And so now you have this game. That's like this uncanny Valley ass nightmare. And it's just like, what happened here? Like who, who thought this would ever work? I guess. Well, that's like the same story. I feel like for all these games, like cyberpunk for sure. Uh, I know that they didn't want to use Keanu Reeves until like late in the game. Yeah. Late, late, in late, the game. late. They didn't even want to use Keanu Reeves. So they had to redo all that. Um, you talk about Anthem. They didn't even know it was going to be a looter shooter until their E3 reveal. I also know a lot of Anthem leadership left and also a lot of leadership in Halo Infinite left too. See, like all these things have like the, almost the same story, but the problem is, is that these games have to come out anyway. Yeah. No matter what happens. Exactly. They, cause they pour so much so money much. into the, into the development. But you also like wonder, I think it's so strange how, because these aren't just like your regular like 3D modelers leaving. Because like those guys, you know, there's plenty of people who can do that. But like you're having like these huge creative focused leaders leaving. And it's like at the, they're they're operating at a level in these organizations where it's like this is their game. You know, like with right. the, like the leadership who said we're going to do algorithmically generated worlds for the new Mass Effect game. That was like his idea and they had to execute on that because he was like the creative director of the game and so you want you almost just wonder like why are they leaving like they're basically like just abandoning their baby right and so to me it seems like they have to be getting some form of just intense pressure from like stakeholders and people on the board who just want to push these games out no matter what and so they're just like 
I don't care what you have to do. Get this game out by Christmas because that's when it's going to sell. This guy knows he can't do it. And so he leaves, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing we... That, this is all just speculation. Yeah, this is speculation. I don't know shit about game development. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really have no idea. I can't really speak about this because I, I don't know. Yeah. But if I uh, if I was just to make a wild guess, I would say it's pressure. Yeah, it's got to be it's right. It's pressure and crunch time. Yeah. Well, I, And well with Blizzard sexual harassment, but that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't even... Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, that's just so another nightmare. It should be... Yeah, like, so it should be mentioned. Not only, like, is the amount of crunch and pressure to in these in these uh companies just awful but they're also just like cesspools of fucking harassment and <laughs> yeah. so i know for example like a lot of people don't talk about it but uh yeah blizzard has been having all these sexual harassment allegations of these absolutely egregious stories but also like ubisoft is like guilty of the same thing yeah. like it's all these massive companies and also like they're chills for the chinese government but we're not even going to talk about that <laughs> that's all another thing yeah well i mean no we are well like also blizzard is like silencing people who are like protesting and all this kind of stuff it's just like you are a game developer what are you doing you right know? but i mean where's their money coming from i guess but you'll do anything it's but make a good game it's just well, wild if people in china will play it if it's the yeah, only game exactly. in china then it doesn't matter yeah um which is like a whole nother topic to get into because like china's restricting video game playtime now and stuff yeah so that might change things. But um, one thing that I think is interesting is that throughout all of this, this nightmare realm that we're falling into, this deep black void of creativity, it's nothingness. Like, it feels like the dark age of entertainment almost. The Sony exclusives have been bangers throughout. Oh, and yeah. that is one interesting thing I want to talk about because like you, we talk about how dreary and dead gaming is. They're like the yet, last bastion. But like, between for triple a for sure it's sony games oh yeah. it's basically all we got left god and, of and, war ghost of tsushima um what else we got like spider-man spider-man hell yeah like these games are all solid they work and i would have to assume it's because they know what they're working with mm -hmm. with the ps4 the ps5 they know exactly what they're working with and i think that sony is pretty uh like steadfast in their idea of what they want for a game. Yeah. yeah. Like they're not going to just start doing some no man's sky stuff for their God of war game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. All of these games are, are, are not buggy, very complete products do not suffer from really any form of microtransactions. Yeah. Um, and they're just solid single player experiences. Yeah. A lot of them tend to be narratively driven experiences, which is so refreshing. Yeah. Um, but I think also one thing about those games is, by and large, I mean, there's like, obviously they put money into advertising these games up to a certain extent, but at the same time, I also don't get the sense, like they don't start advertising these games and generating hype until pretty close to when they launch, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like for example, God of War 2. Um, there's been like one trailer. There's been like one trailer and when they put it out, they're like, it's coming this year sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, or within like the year, a year's time. Uh, and like, for example, Ghost of Tsushima, it's like, no one even knew anything about Ghost of Tsushima <laughs> yeah. basically until they said, we're making this game called Ghost of Tsushima. It's going to be awesome. You and then it wait. was awesome. And then it was fucking awesome. And so everyone bought it. Yeah. And so I feel like they don't really do this whole hype garner that a lot of other companies do like really, really early on. I mean, like, well, it's because the, well, that's the whole thing that we've been talking about is that these games are rely on this hype process where you got to get these pre-orders and you got these people to buy it in the first week. Yeah. Or they're gonna find out this was a this was a scam. Uh -huh. We gotta get them before they figure out it was a scam. Yeah. Well, when it's with God of War, you put out a dope trailer. You say it's gonna be dope, and then it's dope, 
and then like there, there's no problems. Well, the f- honestly, uh, the real tragedy of this is like, like you have these companies that clearly are just like we can just rug pull the audience and just basically put out a scam, and we're gonna get tons of money. It's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. But all, and I guess at the end of the day, that is less work. But also at the same time, it's like you, for example, uh, it takes two. They talked about how they just surpassed like five million downloads on their indie game. And it's like creating a good game and having that game spread by word of mouth is extremely effective. Yeah. And for sure. will definitely pay for itself. Well, that's how a lot of indie games get their money. Yeah. Is word of mouth. Yeah. It's like they're not bump pumping out all this marketing. But even games like, game. you know, Ghost of Tsushima, which is like there's no go there have been no Ghost of Tsushima games before this one that launched. It's the you know first one. But you have people saying this game is awesome. You should play it, you know? And now Ghost of Tsushima won game of the year and it was all this all this good mm-hmm. thing right yeah, yeah. but like i guess it's just kind of tragic because you kind of arrive at this point where it's like are they just pushing out these broken games because it's just that much easier yeah i think so i don't think there's a reason not to yeah um when you have call of duty and fifa and things like this where like they come out every year um call- for the most part call of duty works uh yeah well call of duty vanguard the this was a fact that I heard about the recently. It's like, so Call of Duty Vanguard has 40% less sales than Cold War from last year. 40%. Oh God. And it is still the number two selling game of the year. Shit. And it's right behind FIFA. Oh my God. Dude, don't FIFA's even get me started one. on sport game reskins. Dude, See? isn't like the latest FIFA game literally a reskin of like, like the last FIFA? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all they all are. Yeah. And so, you know, you have publishers seeing this and they go, well, that's a reskin. Like the Call of Duty, this is like their third reskin from Modern Warfare. So it's like, what? Why are we making these grand creative ideas and spending all this time and finding all this talent if we can just have the yeah. schmucks do it again? Call of Duty is a great example because, like, dude, it's it seems like Call of Duty could publish like a a platform shooter and people would buy it because it's Call of Duty. Yeah, people are always gonna buy Call of Duty. So yeah, I I don't really understand. I really feel it seems like vindictive because it's like I. I don't think you should blame the consumer in a poor product, but it's also like, oh, can you guys stop spending your money on these shitty products? Because then they'll stop making them. Yeah. If you guys would just wait one week. Yeah. If you could just wait one week and just check yeah. it out before you buy it. Well, no. Well, we learned this lesson in high school with No Man's Sky. Because yeah, I remember this lesson six years ago. You and I were talking. I remember you and I were talking like fucking cafeteria. And we were like, dude, I am never pre-ordering a game again. Yeah. I'm going to like, it's not worth it. Let's just wait to see. Let's watch reviews. And we've never been like absolute. Okay, we've been disappointed, but not rug pulled. You know. Yeah. No, then. I've never been rug pulled. Like with Cyberpunk, we saw it was a disaster, but we were like, eh, we could. We got to review it. That's content. <laughs> yeah. We were like, maybe it's okay. Yeah. And then you know we got in there, but it wasn't like I fully expected that thing to be a banger. No. No. Yeah. Um, we we knew going in that it was not going to deliver on all of its promises. Mm-hmm. And so. Another thing that's, you know, a little bit brighter of a topic that I want to talk about is like, I think that gaming is not dead. I think it has just been like, the focus has just now shifted straight onto indie games and games of smaller studios. It is a great time to be an indie developer. Yeah, I think so. Um, especially with all these big developers getting bought up by Microsoft and Sony. Yeah. Um, they're all being like swallowed up essentially. I think being, having these smaller studios creating their own individual and creative processes with no like pressure like we're talking about we don't they don't have all this pressure that they need on them and they can 
they can put them on early access and get the money that they need and yet still not it doesn't feel like they're using the consumer as like a as a punching bag to get their shit done yeah they're not shaking you down for your lunch money no they're saying hey look it's not done yet but this is kind of cool and if you give us some money we will finish it and it'll be even better yeah and that's basically what it is like um some of my favorite games i've played recently are hades and risk of rain 2 i played risk of rain 2 with you it's great yeah these games are awesome they both came out on early access like basically just what i explained and they were built upon, built upon until they fully released. Yeah, and they're like cult classics now. Yeah, you know Hades. Like I know people who are saying like if Hades doesn't win Game of the Year, they're gonna like like ride in the street. It was so good. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, that's the thing. And then these are a fraction of the price, and multitudes, so much more creativity and fun injected yeah. into these new experiences. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, why am I paying seventy dollars for the new Battlefield when it doesn't, it doesn't work. work? It doesn't have a scoreboard. You can put a scoreboard in. Yeah, and if you the kill Hades someone, guys like 2D drew every single animation. Wait, did they actually? Yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, that's like one of the reasons why you don't you can't get any skins for your character, is because they drew all of his animations. And so that they, is if they so skins dope. Because I know they did that for like Cuphead, which yeah. is like really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and then like you have this new Battlefield game that just every time you kill somebody, you got to mark it down on a piece of paper because there's no scoreboard. And if you want to talk shit in the lobby, you can't do that either. <laughs> Bro, you send him, send him an email. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, it's it's just sad. I I don't know. Yeah. But, well, but... like, can you can you break down that tweet, um, talking about the legacy? Okay. Because like, so that's that's kind of where this conversation is also stemming from. So Battlefield is a, is a complete mess, and so people have been looking for fixes and stuff. And there's so many things they gotta fix. There's there's so many things like deep core gameplay things that you can't patch they gotta fix yeah like it's like, like held the squad together by system is a nightmare the physics system's a nightmare the graphics are a nightmare it's all bad yeah you um, got you got people not being able to get down teammates up boats are driving on on the walls of buildings yeah there's and shit's just, going on yeah. there's, there's like no hit detection at all hit yeah. registration is like maybe i know i know like happen. bullet spread is bugged so it'll be like you're shooting with like an assault rifle and that shit is just going everywhere <laughs> and you will never hit that person um but so they have some of these things that people been begging for. They say, can we please have a scoreboard? Can we please have voice chat so we can talk to our squad mm. mates? Can we please have permanent squad um uh like assignment connecti- assignment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, connectivity or whatever. Where like when you queue up with your friends, you all get put in the same squads. Yeah. That's and also they- something that Halo Infinite does not have. Yeah, Halo doesn't have that either. So um they said, well, we see that these legacy features, that's what they call them, legacy features are important to you guys. And so we're going to talk about it and make sure that we get all of this done is essentially what they said. And they'll have some announcement about it later. Yeah, that's like... And here we are. There's there's no update on that. That's like me doing an assignment for a class, right? And then I don't put my name on it, so I don't get credit for the paper. And then I say, you see, putting your name on a paper is a legacy feature. <laughs> no, it's a requirement yeah. It is something that you have to have to well, you have to write a thousand word essay. It's only 700. Yeah. The last 300 are legacy Leg- features. Yeah. It's like no, 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 no. This isn't a legacy feature. This is these are minimum requirements that you have to meet to have a viable product. <laughs> yeah. And you're not even doing that. I don't I don't understand. I don't I don't it's get agree- the scoreboard. It's egregious. I don't know how you what how can you have any competitive game without a scoreboard? It's just like how do I know how I'm doing? I could be sucking ass right now and I'll just have no idea. 
I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. Like you're playing with your homie and you're just like, dude, you suck. And you're like, prove it. How? How am I going to prove it? I can't look I at the like a Snapchat of, yeah. of, of my piece of paper that I wrote down on my kills on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, be like, dude, this is plagiarized. This isn't real, you know? Um, yeah, it, it's fucking disaster. Yeah. I don't know what to say other than don't pre-order your games. Give it some time to review or look into indie games. Look into indie games and just Sony Originals, honestly. Yeah. They're, like, they're still doing it. Um, But I think, like, any... Every like big budget title that's being pushed out by you know Activision, all the which are all just under the umbrella of Microsoft now, essentially. Um, so yeah, any of these, and also okay, that's something I want to talk to you about. So like all of these like slimy ass companies have been you know basically pushing out unplayable garbage for like the last two years, right? How do you think? Like so, we've there have been some really big shifts in like the industry. So Microsoft has bought Activision Blizzard. And then on top of that, Sony has bought Bungie. So how do you think, like, how do you think the publishing from these companies is going to be affected by that, if at all? Affected by like the end result of the games? Well, yeah, like ha- like Microsoft having bought like Activision. Do you think that's going to like increase the products that, or increase the quality of the products that we're getting? I think it will not? increase the quality of the products. I would hope so. Um, I think that Microsoft and Sony have. I would assume that they have a stake in how they're seen as companies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, if this game has Microsoft's name on it, I don't think they want it to be a disaster. Yeah. Um, and, like, kind of the same thing with, like, all the sexual harassment stuff that, yeah. that's been going around. Is I like, feel like Microsoft is going to shut that shit down. That's hopefully. Hopefully. Well, you would hope, you would always hope so. And I... I Knock on wood, because Jesus Christ, some of the stories that have been coming out of that <laughs> from, from, like, the victims is, oh my God. I mean, it's just like, you poor bastards. Get I out know, of here. I it, know, it's straight up a nightmare, but... I feel like those, like Sony and Microsoft, since they're like the, essentially the two titans of gaming, and they also need to push out like their consoles, and because they have uh, exclusivity between them, yeah, they need to look better than the other, and there's some competition there, yeah. So for like example, if you have you have like Blizzard, right? Or yeah, you have Blizzard, and they're making Call of Duty, yeah. It's like they don't give a fuck at all. Like what is going to stop them, yeah, from making the worst Call of Duty of all time? No one cares. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when you have Microsoft making their exclusive game and everyone knows that Sony has better exclusive games, there's got to be somewhere to improve. Right, exactly. That makes sense. So it's like, I think it's going to be a good thing. I hope so. I hope at the end of the day, like the consumer is going to come out ahead because they've they've not been doing too well recently. And like, I think it's really interesting, like almost the dynamic between like compared between Microsoft and Sony. Cause on one hand I have like Microsoft, if they are going to implement all these improvements and like uh, kind of like public visibility, if that makes sense, they're going to be doing so because like they want like the company to look good and everything like that. And they like, they're going to care about like investors and stakeholders and stuff like that. And like, no one's going to want to invest money, you know, like cause blizzard and everything like that. They really, they were really hurt uh, on the stock market because of all of those allegations that were coming out. It was mm-hmm. really big news. And so Microsoft does not want to like have to reap the consequences of that. And so they're going to try to basically force it to be fixed. Whereas like, I feel like a Sony, I almost get a sense that they actually have like pride in their product. Yeah. And it's like, it's not just that like they want to look good. Although like public relations is always going to be a factor. I feel it's like, there's like an, an element of like, if you put out like a shitty game, you will be shamed, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. You'll commit seppuku. Right. Cause like Sony puts out bangers mm-hmm. and they actually have like some sort of like pride in their product. So it'll be interesting to see how almost like how these two ethos of like 
development end up shaping out. Right. And I think either way, honestly, gaming is going to be just fine. Um, at least small scale gaming. So like when you have these indie publishers, like, so games were made by small teams. Like you have like the ascent, which we played recently. Yeah. It was really good. Some stuff was really shaky, but like it was made by 12 people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay. Then you have games like Stardew Valley, which is like one of the biggest indie games of all time. Yeah. It's made by one guy. Yeah. So it's like you, you still have opportunities in gaming where, whereas it's different with like uh, making movies Mm-hmm. This is something we also talk. We can talk about a lot. Uh, Indie you, films just don't get that same level of you like got it. You got visibility. You need money. It's not like you put a lot of time into a movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all right. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. need some money. You need actors. Yeah, you need, like, you need a bigger camera. Yeah, you need actors. You need you know people who can do all the VFX. But like, but like yeah. the guy, if, if you really just sat down and wanted to make a game, you could do it. Mm-hmm. If you just put enough time into it, yeah, learned how to do it. Um, so I think gaming will be all right. I just don't know about these big games, these big franchises that we love staying strong. Yeah, I would say like, I would say the state of AAA game development is not sustainable. Like they're not going to be able to keep pushing out games that don't work like this. But I, I would be lying. You would think so. I, I would be lying if I said that because I think they are going to. Well, I, here's my worries because we already talked about this, but I thought that when Cyberpunk came out, I said like this was the peak disaster level. We had disaster level dragon or whatever. Yeah. And we're not we're not coming back from this. Or we're not going farther than this. Yeah. This is like the worst it can be. This is a cautionary tale for everyone and they're gonna get their act straight. And then twenty twenty one was supposed to be the biggest year of gaming of all time because all the big threes were coming out. Yeah. And they were all disasters. Yeah. So it's like, oh oh God, we're in the trenches. Yeah. Uh it's it's yeah, it's not a good time. It's, it's really not a good time. I think it is going to be like those exclusive titles that come out and games that are published by like smaller companies, you know? So mm-hmm. it's going to be, I feel like there's just a really big market for like passion projects right now. Yeah, I agree. And word of mouth. Yeah, like, word of mouth. D- like dude, Among Us. Among Us is like that a game meme was game. Like, that game was like eight years old before it really got popular. Exactly. And it made buku bucks. Yeah. So it's like- that dude, that dude woke up one day and just like realized he was rich. Was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. So it's like- I, I think there's still hope to, yeah. to do it. Yeah. That's another thing, honestly, about like indie titles too, is like with like Call of Duties and like, or um, with like those really big titles, like especially like live service games, it's like whenever the player base begins to dwindle, they just, they just cut the service. They don't feel like they want to use the server space anymore yeah. for it. Whereas like with indie titles, like they kind of stand the test of time more. It may not be popular, like immediately oh, yeah. off launch, but you can, it's going to be supported five years later and potentially blow up. You yeah, know? if I if I want to play a game from eight years ago, I really can. Yeah, like you can play Mass Effect if you really want to. Yeah, like exactly. That. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm <laughs> I'm playing through the original Mass Effects, and exactly. it's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the state of the state of play is is not wonderful right now. For it's at its worst. For your it's big, at its absolute worst yeah. of all time. So I that. think I think to so my prediction, my closing prediction, I think to an extent, I I don't think it's going to go away. But I think, I don't think it's going to stay this bad. I think this is almost like they got too greedy. And I think enough people are pissed that they're going to have to kind of pull back a little bit. But I don't think we're ever going to get those pure, clean, like, uh, those pure, like, working games that we used to get, if that makes sense. Like, like really polished. Yeah, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's going to take a maybe five years before what you're saying talks about happens. I think this is going to keep happening for the next five years or so. I think depending 
on how these titles like launch next year. If I think that's going to be like our course trajectory. You think that's another nexus point? So, or uh, yeah. So in 2022, if we get more titles like last year in 2022, that just don't work. I think that means we're in it for a few years. Like you said, dying light two just came out and it's so far it's, it's like a cyberpunk. So this is not off to a hot start. And I don't really even know what else is coming out this year. I don't either. Other than Sony exclusives. But. Yeah. So <laughs> what we're trying to say is it can go either way. It's 50-50. Yeah. Either it is or it won't. Exactly. It's always 50-50. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I got all out. Yeah, me I too. I wanted to say all the games I want to talk yeah. about. This is a good, healthy, cathartic rant. Yeah. I mean, it was just really like kind of eye-opening. Like Because we, we haven't played like an indie game together in a while. And then we just like hopped in and we were just like is this what fun feels like? Like, is this what, is this what, is this what actual creativity and passion feels like? What the fuck? Exactly. I, I'm excited when like three years from now, we look back at this podcast and we were like, Oh, we were such fools thinking it would get better. Mm. Hopefully we look back and say, Oh, we were so pessimistic. Everything's fine. Games, games work now. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Right. But thank you guys for joining us for this. It was just kind of an interesting look at like, how things are and whether it's going to continue or not. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, the model of development improves. You know, we've had some big shifts in the industry. So really we're at, we're at like the precipice. We're at the cusp of really, I'd say like the, like you said, I think the next five years of gaming development is really going to be, is really going to be standing on what we get this year. I mean, maybe we'll just all go into the metaverse and not have to worry about it. Did you hear that the metaverse like crashed and lost a bunch of money? I did not hear that. It was like the biggest stock market crash in history. <laughs> I guess I missed that. We're going to, yeah, we, you should look it up after we're done with this. It's actually crazy. Anyway, <laughs> we will back to end on. Yeah. We will see you guys in the next one. See you guys.